Hey, this is Scotty Vermillion. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Daniel Boone podcast today. We would like to invite you to worship with us at Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or you can join us on Facebook for live sermons and daily interactions that will keep you in touch with God and in step with His kingdom. You know when you get on a roller coaster, who likes them? Raise your hand. Y'all crazy. I hate them. I'll ride them just because somebody will say, oh, you're a wimp, and I'll be like, okay, I'll go. I'll ride them, but I hate them. And I learned that with, with roller coasters, like the most difficult part of it is the initial decision to decide, okay, I'm going to ride it. Because once I decide something, usually for me, I don't know about for you, but once I decide something, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? You get in your mind, I'm going to do it. So that's the hardest thing for me sometimes, like, is to, is to decide, okay, I'm going to ride. It's that, it's that initial decision. But once you're strapped in, y'all know the feeling, then the war begins. And it's not a physical war. It's not a war between you and the machinery or the operator. It's, it's, it's this war. You know what I'm talking about? It's that war. And I don't know if anybody else has done it, but I have thought, what if my bolt up there is faulty and that's holding me on and it breaks and I go flying through there. I've actually looked to see if there's a place I could land. Have you ever done that? Yeah, up, up there in Lake Erie, I think it is, you're like close to the water and I'm like, man, I hope I can fly over the water, you know. Uh, but the, the battle of the mind starts then and so what I normally do, I don't know if y'all do this, but for me, I normally, once I'm strapped in, I just, I just close my eyes. Anybody else do that? I just close them. I'm like, all right, here it is. You put yourself in this mess. If you die, it's your fault. You know what I'm talking about? But when I close my eyes, I stop seeing what's around me, and, and I start to focus on controlling the thoughts that are inside of my mind. And I know this sounds silly, but man, that has been my experience in faith for years. Like when the Lord calls you to something, and it don't have to be quitting your job, you know, None of that. It don't have to be that. But when the Lord calls you to something, it could be as simple as going and having a conversation with John Casey. You see what I mean? When the Lord calls you to something, and sometimes that's more difficult than quitting a job, by the way. Mending a relationship, that's hard. But when the Lord calls you to something, you you almost got to close your eyes and focus and just say to the Lord, you got me in this. You know, if something happens and it don't work out, you're the one that called me. Now, don't misinterpret or mishear who's calling you. That's a whole nother sermon I did it about a year ago. Y'all remember it? Hearing the voice of God, you, you'll hear it in your spirit and then you'll bounce it off of, you know, somebody that you trust, not somebody that, that will give you the answer you're looking for, but somebody you trust that will give you spiritual discernment, you know, things of that nature. So make sure it's the voice of God before you go quitting your job and moving to uh, Europe. Okay, don't do that. Just be careful. But anyway, that's kind of what it's like for me. The walk of faith is kind of like a roller coaster for me. And I have found out so far, none of the bolts have broke yet, but I have found out so far that, and there's a weight limit on those things, by the way, but I found out that by faith, I, I usually, and, and 100% of the time so far, have arrived safely at my destination. And when looking back, the ride was something I would have never experienced had I not made the decision to step out in faith and say, yes, God, I'll go. Y'all hear me? 
And so I don't want you to hear this message today like it is me saying you need to go and quit your job and do this and do that. And I keep saying that because I don't want to make sure that you don't take a word that I preach that I believe has come from the Lord and apply it to your life in an incorrect manner and then find yourself two months from now saying, who told me that? Well, it was me. It wasn't God. So make sure you're listening to God. You hear what I'm saying? So that's kind of where we're going today. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to pray. Hey, go back to that title slide real quick. I couldn't come up with the title. I have three of them. You pick whichever one applies to you. And if these don't apply to you at the end of the message, mark them all out and you put your own title over this message. But it's the voice of God, the requirement of faith. By the way, the requirement of faith is departure. Departure. Remember that. Put that in your mind. And then the land of promise. And the land of promise is that place where God's calling each one of us. And when we get there, guess what happens? When you triumph over something, guess what's up next? Who y'all got next week, Ryland? So we start thinking about the next game. We start thinking about the next war. You hear what I'm saying? The, the prize you get for winning is, a, is another battle. And usually it's a bigger battle. And usually it's a tougher battle. And usually it's against an opponent that studies you and knows your, knows your weaknesses. And so remember that as you're walking in faith, okay? Because the enemy will attack those that are the most useful, the most advantageous, and the most influential in the kingdom, okay? All right, let's, let's read 11, Hebrews 11. 1. It says, now faith is the substance. And on the front of your bulletin, it, it, it's interpreted a little bit different, okay? It says faith is, is that thing that you can be sure of, that thing that you can know is true or know is out there. Faith is the substance, the, the, the assurance of things hoped for. Not blind hope. Not hope that's just, man, I hope for a million dollars. No, it's things that in your spirit. Y'all remember last week, the Venn diagram? Okay, if you weren't here last week, you need to go watch this message so this will make sense to you. Where the Venn di- where your spirit and the Holy Spirit begin to interlock and the Holy Spirit starts to eclipse your spirit, the, the more you'll let that happen. It's those places where the anointing comes and the Lord will speak to your spirit that is where we place our hope. If you remember correctly, it's those places where the Lord can pour out his desires on our life. And so it makes us to desire what he desires for us, which is fruitful. Okay. And we'll talk about that a little bit today, but faith is the substance of things that we hope for the evidence of things not seen. And then I want to go to Hebrews 11, eight through 10. Today, we're going to talk about Abraham. Okay. We know Abraham. He's the father of many nations, you know. Did Abraham make mistakes? Absolutely. Was he a liar? Yes, he was a liar. He had some problems, but God used him because of his faith. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I want to read that again. He went out not knowing. You got it? He went out not knowing. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't mean works saves you, but you show me your faith by what you say. I'm going to show you my faith by what I do. You hear what I'm saying? Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Isaac's the son of the promise. Jacob is the grandson of Isaac. Jacob eventually becomes Israel. He has 12 sons, y'all remember? They become the 12 tribes of Israel and God creates a 
people group that spans across the whole world through those through Jacob's sons, okay, the, tri- the 12 tribes of Israel. And we're not going to get into that today, but that's a great, great, great place for you to go to Genesis and read and let the Holy Spirit breathe on you. The Old Testament is there, not, not as something that happened before that doesn't apply now. It's a picture, and it's full of stuff. Like you can take where Joseph, you remember when Joseph was, got sent to Egypt? Was that his fault? No, it's not his fault. You're going to see today where Abraham goes to Egypt. And it was his fault. Sometimes we go to Egypt, and Egypt in the Old Testament is simply this, okay? So when you study the Word of God and you see Egypt, Egypt is simply this. Egypt is the place that represents the world system and the world's way of doing things, which leads to bondage, okay? So Joseph went to Egypt without any doing of his own, but we see how God used it. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, and I think a child sometimes gets caught up because they're raised in homes where it's just absolutely carnal and worldly, and and they're not there by their own fault. They were born in it. But sometimes we as believers even, we choose to go back down to Egypt, okay? Does that make sense? And, and dwell there too long. But anyway, that's a little bit about Jacob. But it says here that by faith he dwelled in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That should be our goal. That should be where we're aiming for. That city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that there is a place. And Lord, it's not a far off. And Lord, this is what I want. I hope that you can breathe on each one of our spirits today. The promised land is not heaven. The promised land is now. The promised land is the place that we come to and we experience the presence of God, your presence, Father. And so I pray that you would help us to learn how by faith to receive the promise that that we find through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd help us to understand. Shine a light on this word today. Whatever piece and part that needs to fall on, on an ear, I pray it would fall on fertile ground. And I pray that you'd use it to change our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Abraham, interesting character. I want to go to Genesis chapter 12 and start with verses 1 through 4. Genesis 12, if you want to go there with me, you can. Verses 1 through 4. So we think about faith. If you've studied the Bible a little bit, you understand that Abraham is in the hall of faith in Hebrews. But you understand that he is the figure that we look at a lot of times. Uh, to be our model for faith, the, the, the person that, that gives us an example of how to, to go before you know. Now, most of us, if we're honest, we don't go until we see. You know what I mean? Uh, investment's kind of like that. High risk, high, high reward, <laughs> you, know, high, you know, dangerous type thing to risk, you know, all your money. But verse 10 is kind of where, uh, I'm sorry, verse 1 is kind of where... Um, the story about Abraham kind of begins, okay? Verse one says, now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country. Get out of your country. From your family and from your family's house to a land that I will show you. 
And I want you to look at that verse just a minute. I meant to tell you this beginning. Every verse today that I give you is anointed. I can promise you that. I, the Lord's ta- done told me that. That's why I put it on your bulletin. That's all I put. You're going to take stuff from your verse, I hope today, and, and write in that blank or this week how God speaks to you. But every verse is anointed today. Every verse in the word of God is anointed. Don't get me wrong. But for you personally, the Lord had said to Abram, that means it's something that had already been spoken. That tells me that Abram had spent some time. You get it? So many of us get in pickles in our life and then we go to the Lord and we're like, y'all heard the analogy about the guy falling in the sea and he prayed to God and a boat come by. He prayed to God to save him, you know. Boat went by. He said, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. Then a plane comes by with one of those things. He said, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. He drowns, gets to heaven. He asked God, why didn't you save me? He said, well, I sent a boat and I sent a plane, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, That's kind of where we get sometimes. We get ourselves in a pickle and all of us do it. And then we get on our knees. Abram had spent time there already, okay? Uh, just Just a side note. The Lord had already said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. That was in his spirit to a land that I will show you. And I wrote this down. Here's what that means for us, I believe. Verse one, get out, leave the familiarity, what's familiar to you, leave your comfort zone, what's comfortable to you. This is a very difficult thing to do and I stink at it. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, I'm not a, I'm not a good faith walker. The Lord has to shake me sometimes to get me to walk in faith, okay? But it's leaving what is comfortable to you and going to the place where God's going to show you. Do you know you can't inherit the things that God has for you until you leave the familiar, the comfort of where you are now? Does that make sense to you? Just let that breathe on you a little bit. So what does that mean? Why did it, why, you know how old he was right here? Anybody want to guess? 75. 75. He's not a 25-year-old man. He's not young. and got it. He's 75, and God's telling him, now, leave. God's not done until you're done. Now, listen to this. Go back to Genesis 11. This is the chapter before. And my question for you is, some of you need this word that I'm getting ready to tell you right now, so don't go to sleep. Wake up. Listen to this. This was the, a few verses before. And my, so I want you to start thinking, what held Abraham back from moving into, by faith, the land that God was, had already told him, I'm going to send you. I'm going to read it to you. And Terah, Terah is Abram's, Abram's father. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot. Lot was the son of Abram's brother who had already passed away, Haran, the son of Haran. And his daughter-in-law, Sarai, his son Abram's wife, And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans. That's where God called them out, said, you need to leave and go to a place that I'm going to show you. So they did. By the way, Abram didn't learn faith completely on his own. It says that Terah took his son Abram. Guess what Terah was doing? Being a dad. That's just as simple as I can put it. He was leading his children, his son, where God was telling them to go. He was being a vessel for his children. That's super important that you understand that. But anyway, it says that they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. They're not in Canaan yet. They're still in Haran. They're not in the promised land yet. They're still not 
they haven't entered yet. And then this is an important verse, verse 32. And here's what I want you to get it. Maybe this is a word for just you. So the days of Terah were 205 years. He was 205 years old and Terah died in Haran. Here's the word that the Lord, I believe, wanted me to tell somebody. Before you get to enter into the promised land, the place of, that God's calling you, some things in your life are gonna have to die. You hear me? I'm not saying people, I'm not saying quit your job, but at some level, the thing that you're holding on to is restricting you from going into the land that you're called to, okay? So keep that in your mind. That is Genesis eleven thirty two. if you wanna go back later and read it. But verse two here, I wanna read it to you. Verse one, get out of your country, leave the familiar. Verse two says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, the Lord is speaking, and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Here's another thing that will, that will prevent you from inheriting the things that God called you. When you start thinking you did it, you're in trouble. When I start thinking I did it, I'm in trouble. God positioned me here. God brought me here. God opened that door for me here. Does that make sense to you? He says, I will bless you. The Lord, I will bless you. It's part of the reason why Abram, who becomes Abraham, is in the hall of faith is because he believed that God's the one that opens doors. Let me prove it to you. Go to Revelation chapter three, verses seven and eight. Verse three there says, I will bless, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's 12, three. Now go to Revelation 3, 7 and 8. This is Jesus Christ speaking. It's in the book of Revelation. John received this revelation on the island of Patmos when he was isolated from the world. And by the way, God does his most intimate, most specific, most detailed, most personal work in your life when he gets you alone. Remember that. Remember that. Sometimes he gets us alone. But he says here in verse seven, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right, these things say he, the Lord who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. If you don't know what that means, here's exactly what that means. The Davidic covenant said that I'm gonna establish a throne, a kingship through you. And Jesus Christ, we've already studied this a few months ago, if you remember, Mary and Joseph came from the lineage of David. Okay, and so Jesus Christ is forever king, forever and ever and ever over all because not only is he of the bloodline, but he's also of the spirit. Does that make sense? Because the Holy Spirit breathed upon Mary. So that's another sermon. But the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts. Who opens the doors for you? The Lord. Who shuts the doors? The Lord. I ain't gonna say to do it, but some of us need to praise God for open doors. Woo! Guess what? Some of us need to praise God for closed doors. Woo! You know that thing you thought you might want and you went ahead and manipulated and pushed through and got it anyway and then a year or two later you're like, what in the world was I thinking? I wish I was back to doing maybe what God called me to do. But anyway, long story short, it says he is the one who opens the door and shuts and no one opens. And verse eight says this, says, I know your works and it's good works. He's speaking to the church in Philadelphia. He says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. So let me ask you a question. When God sets before you an open door, do you get to sit back in your lounge chair? Nope. What's the requirement of faith? 
So the title can be the voice of God if you want it to be. But the requirement of faith is to do what? It's to go. Most Christians believe once they're saved and they go to church for a while and they, they get to where they know the Bible. They, you know, there's people in the Bible, they're called Pharisees and scribes and those people who knew the Bible. I'm talking about those of us who actually want to live out what is in our heart, in our faith, and in the word of God, our faith, to live out our faith, to walk by faith. If God puts an open door in front of you, you got to walk through it. Now, here's what the enemy will absolutely do, okay? And some of you need this word. The enemy will make so much noise, he will try to get you so distracted that you can't walk through the door because you got your focus off of God and you've got your focus on why shouldn't I walk through this door? Why, why can't I walk through this door? You know, that whole thing of, the thing that hits me about preaching is like, there's no way they're going to listen to you. You know, that kind of thing. That's the enemy. Because you're really not listening to me. Who are you listening to? The Holy Spirit. And if I say something that don't agree with the Spirit inside of you, and you've checked it out, then it's me. I've spoken out of line. So be, be careful not to believe 100% of what I tell you. Believe what the Holy Spirit tells you. But anyway, the open door, we have to go through it. It says, and no one can shut it. If God opens the door for you, no one can shut it. Nobody. If God's called you to parent a kid, now I'm going to tell you, when, when your kids get to a certain age and they come home with this crazy stuff and you're like, how am I going to do this? And then you, you try to do it and then they rebel because they get mad at you. They don't like what they heard. And they go around kicking and screaming and flopping. Y'all ever been on social media and they call them trolls? And they get on there and they just throw junk at, at whoever they're throwing junk at. They'll pick out whoever it is to throw junk at. And that's how you're acting kids but anyway that's what happens but here's here's the point of that the point of that is if God's called you to be their father or their mother or their grandfather or their grandmother or their adopted father or their do- the person in their life I'm talking about a child and we're a child of God if we're if we're called to be the person to speak truth to them guess what's going to happen that door's going to remain open and nobody's going to shut it. It don't matter how noisy it gets around. You just have to stay the course. What the enemy wants you to do is quit. Now, here's the deal about quitting. And I want to throw this in there because it's for somebody too. When you quit something God has either allowed you to do or called you to do because it became what you didn't think it was going to be and you quit for comfort and familiarity, you will never experience whatever God had on the other side of that open door. Can he open other doors? Yes. He's a God of, of all grace. <laughs> Don't hear me wrong. God's not, he is a God of judgment too. I'm not preaching about that. He's a God of all grace. When you foolishly close the door, he'll open another one. But it'll be something different. And that'll be okay. He'll change your heart. So don't hear me wrong. But some of us go through years and years of just quitting everything we try to do. And we never stick to anything. And the Bible has told me today that nobody can shut that door. Keep pushing right on through, okay? It says, for you, have a little, uh, you, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. God will honor those who honor him. That's a good way to put that. He will honor those who honor him. Revelations 3, 7 and 8. Verse 4, listen to this. Here's where rubber meets the road. You ready? Verse 4 in chapter 12 of Genesis. Abram. It says, so Abram departed... I could stop right there. Matter of fact, that was the title of my uh, sermon at the beginning. Uh, Abram, uh, so Abram departed. But somebody needs to hear that. 
the first step in faith is departure. You hear me? The first step of faith is a departure. God won't call you to faith if he wants you to stay and be comfortable. You hear what I'm saying? Don't quit your job because I said that. I keep saying that. And I, I'm, now, I, I could get more personal and say, don't leave your spouse, your husband, or your wife. Don't, don't go doing all that stuff because you think something's calling you. That's not what I'm saying, okay? And there are biblical reasons for all that stuff. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about don't take this word and, and misapply it to your life and then blame it on me, okay? Because they kicked me out of here, and that's okay too. Because uh, the door that God opens... No man what? Can close. That's right. And vice versa. Okay. Have y'all ever experienced a closed door? I had one time, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's too far. I had an open door one time. I didn't take it, and God closed it. Simple as that. And, and if I tried to go back and open it, I can't. No man can open a door that God opens. No man can shut a door that God shuts. And I'm also going to say, you can't open a door that God has shut. That's a hard thing to do to try to do because it ends up it ends up in uh, frustration and misery but anyway Abram departed I love that part so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and lot with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran he is 75 and he's getting ready to enter the land that God has promised now what was God's promise specifically to Abraham do y'all know to do what to make him a a nation. He said his, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea. If you, can count, if you can count those, it's going to be more than that. And so specific, in order to have descendants, you got to have a place. You hear what I'm saying? So God's calling him to a place, and that's another sermon, but he's 75 years old. That's a long time to wait. That's a long, I'll text Leanne sometimes, and I stole this from another sermon, but it's a great illustration. I'll text her sometimes, and it'll be like an hour later, and I'm like, she hasn't replied to me yet. Is she mad? Guys, don't act like you don't do the same. I don't, you know what I'm talking about. Is she mad? Uh, is something going on? Is she hurt? You know, there's been times I can't find her, you know. Is she, has she wrecked somewhere? Okay, so y'all know what I'm talking about. I am so impatient. <laughs> so impatient. Anybody else with me? This guy waited 75 years to realize a promise that God had made in his spirit. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? We sometimes, we get so impatient that we, we jump the gun. I'm going to give you an illustration because the Bible's full of, of good stuff. And I'm going to put candy in so I'm going to talk through it. I'm getting really dry. Listen to me. It's because I hollered at the game last night. I got to quit that stuff. Quit that hollering. It wasn't at refs. It wasn't at refs. It wasn't at you, Ryland. I wasn't hollering at you. I just hollered. All right, y'all ready? Listen to this quote. The only thing worse than waiting on God, have y'all heard it before? The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you would have. Some of you need to write that down. That's for somebody. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you would have. Here's what happened. Abraham goes into the land of promise he eventually gets a son. We done read that. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? He's not been born yet. The journey, however, was a faith journey. And if you will start reading right there in chapter 12 
and you will just read through, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's a faith journey. Abraham made a habit of hearing the voice of God, producing in his life the requirement of faith, that's going, and then he received the promise. We got it backwards. In our common culture, we want the promise way before the step, okay? Listen to this. Abram believed before he was ever able to see. Hebrews 11, chapter, one, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Read it. Now let's read it. Now you've been given the frame. Now let's read it. You ready? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's faith. All right? Now go to 11, 8 through 10. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he, he would receive as inheritance. And he went out and not knowing where he was going, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. There's the promise. The heirs with him of the same promise. The promise. The promise. Verse 9, or verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker was God. That's an awesome passage. And so many of you are in that place too. And so as he goes in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, go to that one. A famine hits. A famine. Now some of us experience famines. We don't experience it with food necessarily. But we experience famines all. It's famines of peace. Can't find it. You know, famines of forgiveness. I just can't get there. I can't forgive them yet. We experience famines in our life. And here's what happened with Abram. It says now there was a famine in the land. Where? The promised land. Oh, the promised land has problems? Yep, problems have, progress has problems. Triumphs equals more tests. He experienced a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt. What do you not see here that you've seen so far with Abram's going? Who was speaking and calling Abram to go in the other passages? God. I'm going to read it to you again. Help me find God in this. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt. You see God in that anywhere? Here's what happens in our life and the enemy knows it. And the, and the Lord will allow it. Nothing comes to us that doesn't pass through him first. So don't be surprised by that stuff. Don't get mad. Don't get angry. Don't sit and weep and cry and pity party. Look to the next play, okay? Here's the deal. A famine will often come in our life to cause us to go to a place where we rely completely on God and by faith we will see the fruit of it. But what happens is, you and me as individuals, what we end up doing is, and it's even worse when, when your spouse or your parents or the person closest to you is also agreeing with you that you need to go down to Egypt. Because here's what happened. What does Egypt, what does Egypt uh, signify for us in the Old Testament? The world system, the world's order, and the place, the place where the world operates, okay? The place where the world operates. Debt is, a, is very, 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 I mean, I could apply this to debt. I'm in debt in certain areas, and we all, not all of us, but a lot of us are. I don't think my papa ever was, which is crazy, but all of us go into debt for a certain period of time to establish our credit and to do that. But debt can be exactly what I'm talking about. I want something that I'm not willing to work and wait for, and so I go into debt to get it. That may, and, and the world is set up to do that, and they make money off of it. 
Crazy high interest rates. But anyway, Abram went down to, to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was so severe in the land. A lot of times in our faith, we get in places and we're like, this ain't working, God. And you'll go back to the world system of doing things, the world system of thinking, the world system of, you know, somebody made me angry and so I'm going to set up a meeting and I'm going to let them know about it when that's not the world system of doing things. Now, if God calls you to confront a problem, absolutely, you need to do that. But for the most part, you need to ask God, is this the right thing to say? Is this the right time to say it? Is this the right way to approach this? And if in your spirit, you have a little catch that says, maybe not now, or your spiritual advisor says, maybe not now, then you need to wait. Because the Bible also says that for those who, of us who love him, he goes before us, he fights our battles, and he's our rear guard. And so be very careful about the words that you say when you're in a famine. And I wrote this down, and this is for somebody, and I believe every word from Scripture is anointed, but specifically today. Be careful where you go when the famine comes. Be careful where you go when the famine comes. What did the children of Israel do? They went, they went to escape and were there for 400 years. That's 10 generations. They were there for 400 years. And they were fed in Egypt. But when it come time to get out of Egypt, could they deliver themselves? Has anybody ever dealt closely with addiction? All of us could shake our head and say, yeah, I know somebody. It's very difficult for somebody that's deep into it to deliver themselves because they've been there so long. But praise be to God. Now, here, here's the gospel. This is the gospel in one line. But praise be to God. The same way Moses was called through a burning bush to go and free a people that he wasn't qualified to free is the same way that Jesus Christ came to our depravity and freed us. Does that make sense? That's why we pray to God. Please draw them out of this addiction. Nothing else is going to do it. You got to do it. You hear what I'm saying? Mm, that's good. That's good. Be careful where you go when the famine comes. That's a detour. Genesis 15, 1 says this, and this is right in the middle. This is good too. We've already read it today. This is right in the middle of Abraham experiencing all this junk. He's 75, he gets a promise. He's 86, and he decides to let Sarah speak to his spirit. Y'all know what Sarah does? Y'all remember the, know the story? Sarah decides to help God out. She knew because she was Abram's wife that God had promised to bless him through his son that he hadn't had yet. And so Sarah's like, I'm, I'm getting old. I think Sarah was uh, in her 80s at this point in time or close to it. She says, there's no way I can have a child in her spirit. She actually says that. Y'all need to read this. Read, read, read that thing. Read in Genesis this week. So she decides to help God out and to go to Abraham and say, let me offer you Hagar, my, my maidservant. Have a child through her. And that can be the child of the promise. And so Abraham was like, okay. So he goes and has a child through Hagar. Ishmael is born. Now God blessed Ishmael too. That was a child of, that was a child of Abraham. But he was not the son of promise. And so by Sarah doing that, now we have a whole nation, a whole people group, the Ishmaelites, and you can study that too. But God wanted me to tell somebody this today. And I stole it, but it's good. You know, God's always in the kitchen cooking things up, right? He's the chef of all this. Stay out of his kitchen. Just stay out of his kitchen. You might have something in your spirit that you see God leading you too long down the road. Let him open that door. 
Don't go trying to open the door through manipulation. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Stay out of God's kitchen. Be careful about getting ahead of God. Many of our problems come not because of God bringing them, but because we didn't wait for him. And remember the quote, the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you would have. You hear me? Stay out of God's kitchen. Abraham was 100 years old when the son of promise was born. Isn't that awesome? 100 years old. He was an old man when the son of a promise was born. And his name was Isaac. And that's 25 years after the Lord had spoke that promise in his spirit. So my question to you today, and I'm done. And we can fast forward to Genesis 22 where he takes Isaac, the son of the promise, up on a mountain. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good. You've got to hear this part of it. You've got you to hear this part of it. All the things that happened, he had, he had become, made it habit to walk by faith. Y'all got that? And when God said, take now Isaac, your only son, up to a mountain that I'll show you and sacrifice him there for the Lord. Do you know what the next verse in the word of God says? Golly. Sometimes I don't like Abraham. I don't know how he does it. It says the next morning he got up. He took his son. He took some men with him. He strapped all the stuff to the donkey. Oh, and by the way, he wasn't a little bitty baby because if you keep reading, he was old enough to look around and say, Dad, I see wood. I see fire. I don't see the lamb. He's old enough to reason. Can you imagine that discussion going up the mountain? Dad, what's going on? And can you imagine Abraham's faith? He's getting ready to slay his son. Now here's the deal. And here's faith in a Here's the whole sermon in a nutshell. This is it. Don't miss it. Wake up. Ready? Abraham had gotten so used to hearing the voice of God that when he raised the knife to slay his son, in just a moment's time, in just a moment's time, he heard the, the word of God say, Abraham, Abraham. And so right as he's getting ready to slay his son, he hears the word of God because he recognized his voice. Now listen to me. If you don't spend time with him and commune with him and recognize his voice, you end up doing something that, that'll cost you dearly. You hear what I'm saying? That's the message in a nutshell. It's through faith that we hear God's voice. It's by our own, it's by our own belief our own decision, we decide to walk through the door that God opens. We decide, we make that decision. And only then can we see the land of promise. Close your eyes for me and bow your heads, please. I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. This altar is always open and I am always open to talk to you about matters of faith, especially if you don't know him and you need to get right with God by accepting his son, Jesus Christ, today. It's as simple as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he is who God says he is in the word of God. He's the son of God, spotless lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth. That means it, it was done before we were ever born. All you gotta do is believe upon him and confess that. I'd love to talk to you about that. But I wanna ask you this question today. Where is God telling you to go? Not, not geographically, not, not vocationally, but where in your spirit has God told you and spoke to you and told you to go? Second question, how long are you going to delay your departure? 
How long are you going to let your feelings delay the departure? How long are you going to let judgment delay your departure? How long are you going to let the rear view mirror determine how you feel about a situation instead of looking in the windshield of life and seeing exactly where God is calling you to go? That windshield will hold you, uh, will send you forward, but that rear view mirror will slow you down and hold you up. Be careful. How long will you delay? And maybe this is you. In the Bible, it says every time that it talks about Egypt, it says that they went down to Egypt. They went down to Egypt. They went down to Egypt. That means when we leave where God has called us by faith and we go down to the places that the world's operations are evident and we, and we spend time down in Egypt, what happens is this. It's very simple. We become in bondage to the things of the world. The Bible also says this. It says that when, when he called, when Abram, Abram went down and he made a big mistake, he lied, but it says that he then went back up to Jerusalem. So here's my question to you. Are you in a place that God never told or intended you to go? Have you went down to Egypt in your thinking, in your habits, in your words? Have you went down to Egypt? And it's a simple word. God told me to tell somebody, go back up to the promised land and get out of Egypt. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word and thank you for these people who are here today. I pray that this word not only falls on fertile ground, but also that, that you would allow that seed to grow. It may take 25 years, but I pray that that seed would grow and I pray that it would produce fruit. Lord, I'm seeing fruit in so many lives here in this church and I see people in this church pouring out on other people and that is what you choose and desire. That is your desire for us that we choose to pour out on other people. Help us to do that continually. And Lord, help us to be uh, willing vessels to be used of God this week. As we go into our workplaces and our families, help us to speak the truth, but help us to do it in love. We love you and we thank you. Bless each home represented here today and those that aren't here with us, I pray you bless them too. Go with us, lead God and direct our steps in Jesus' name. Amen.